put your hands together this morning. Make some noise for the Lord this morning. Amen, amen. 
Hey, we're excited that you're here this morning, but you know, we were preparing for service, and uh, yesterday I was just thinking, um, one, worship is, I think, the, the most important thing that we do, because we get to experience the presence of a real God, and uh, you know, I was just thinking about it yesterday, and I can trace my Christian walk back to one moment. One moment in worship, we were down at Powerhouse, I think I was 16 years old, and I remember the Lord just kind of surrounded me with His presence. I felt Him for the first time, maybe in my entire life, and I remember in one moment, God changed my life. Has anybody, do you have a story similar to that? And this morning, as we continue in worship, I want to I wanna challenge you. We're not just reading words on a screen. We're not here just playing music, but we're here to experience the real life-changing presence of a real God. And yeah, you can make some noise for him. And, and as we continue in worship, I want to encourage you. Don't, don't think about the person you're standing beside and how loud or soft they're singing or whatever. But for the next few moments, let's pursue God like it's the most important thing in the world. Because I'm telling you, it is the most important thing in the world. So as we continue, let's pursue God. And I think he's got, he's got something for every single person here this morning. Amen? Amen. Let's worship him together. Never runs out on 
God, we thank you for that love this morning. But we thank you. We thank you, God.
deserves our glory right now. God, you're worthy. Talk to him. Let him know he's worthy, Lord. You deserve all the glory. We give you praise. You know, we have a communicating God. We have somebody that died for us so he can have relationship with us. And relationship's about communication. I believe he's communicating to people right now. He's communicating his love and his peace. That's what you sense when we worship. But I think there's some things that... Uh, I feel the Lord is saying to some people, it wants to remind you because there's kind of a little struggle going on in your mind. And one of them is a reminder that all things do work together for good. Some of you are kind of struggling. How could that happen right now? I'm telling you, all things work together for good. So that's somebody in this room very strong. And another one is uh, somebody feels like quitting and just giving up on something or somebody. And I'm telling you, God is faithful. Don't give up. And I'm just praying as our altar team comes right now, they'll pray with you for whatever it is, whether you're sick in your body, you got a decision to make. And the other thing is it's Labor Day weekend. Hopefully you get a chance to rest from your labor. But there's a rest God says we can enter into, a rest. And even after you're a Christian a while and you maybe think back and that, that freedom and excitement you felt when you were first a Christian, you know, life just has a way to kind of wear you out. And, and some of you are just carrying a lot of baggage and burdens that you don't need to carry right now. So let one of these guys and ladies pray with you. And they're going to pray for the peace of God. They're going to pray for rest. They're going to pray for whatever you want. But how many believe there's a rest available in the presence of the Lord? And how many want him to communicate to you today? Be open to that when you worship. Be listening. Be thinking. Because God wants to communicate something to your heart. So we're going to continue to worship. And the altar team's open for prayer.
have a new new song for you guys this morning. I want you to grasp these words and just sing them out with me this morning. Let's 
this morning make a little noise for him god we want more of you pray that you would lead us to a new place god come on why don't you love on a couple of people around you make your way back to your seats this morning Welcome to Church on the Rock. We're so happy you're here worshiping with us today. In the chair back in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church. Our inside look lets you know everything about who we are and what we believe in. Our ministry guide gives you plenty of ways to get connected through classes, small groups, and outreach opportunities. If you are a first-time guest, please fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you, drop it in the offering, or you can take it across the hall to the Connect Room where you will receive a free gift bag. Don't forget about our coffee bar and snacks between Sunday services in the Connect Cafe. So glad you're here and we hope you know that there's always a place for you at Church on the Rock. Here's what's happening at Church on the Rock. On September 16th and 17th, we are in need of some people at Rahab's Retreat in Kilgore, Texas to assemble and install counters and move equipment into the workout room we have sponsored. Contact Pastor Lamel Miller if you are able to help. 
Join us next week as Pastor John begins his new sermon series, Not Your Average Joe, studying the story of Joseph and how we can live an extraordinary life. The journey of life can be difficult and confusing. Here at Church on the Rock, we want to help make your journey clear by connecting you to God, friends, ministry, and the world. We offer four classes on Wednesday nights to help you grow and stay on course in your walk with God. Our Connect class is for anyone new to the church or anyone wanting to get more involved. It's a four-week class to help you learn about the church, get connected to God, and learn about your spiritual gifts. The Spirit-Filled Life four-week class will teach you how real friendship with the Holy Spirit can change your life. The four-week freedom class is designed to help you resolve conflict, break bondages, and renew your mind. The Becoming a Person of Influence class will teach you principles of leadership that you can apply in ministry, business, and your home. Between our Connect, Spirit-Filled Life, Freedom, and Becoming a Person of Influence classes, there is a Wednesday night class for everyone. Our ministry guide is so much more than just a cool accordion-folded pamphlet. It's packed full of opportunities to help you grow in your walk with God and get more connected into the COTR family. Look through our equipped classes, outreaches and ministries, Wednesday life groups, and local outreaches. Our equipped classes meet on Wednesdays and Sundays and include our core and steps classes that we encourage everyone to be a part of. Our outreaches and ministries are specialty groups that meet all across the city. They range from prayer and Bible studies to woodworking to firearms training. These groups are led by leaders within the church who started the group based on their personal passion. Our Wednesday life groups are also led by leaders within the church. These groups meet on Wednesday nights at church and across the city and are a great way to dig deeper in your walk with God and connect with like-minded Christians. On the back of the ministry guide, you'll find all of the ways for kids, youth, and 20s age to get involved. And in our local outreaches section, you'll find out how you and your family can make a difference in our community. We have over 20 local outreach groups you can be a part of, from helping victims of sex trafficking, to prisoner Bible studies, to crocheting for missions. The ministry guide is packed full of life-changing opportunities, but in the end, it's only text written on a page until you decide to get involved and join a group. Still a little confused as to how the ministry guide works? No worries. Visit churchontherock.org and click on Ministries and watch our Ministry Guide Simplified video, where we break down every part of the ministry guide and explain just what you need to do to get involved. Well, amen. How many feel like you've gotten connected since you've come to Church on the Rock? Amen, amen. You know, if you haven't, Wednesday night at 6.30, this is the perfect chance to get connected or at least just find out a little more, see if this is where God's leading you to get connected because it's very important not just to come to church but to connect it, to be a part of a family because we're to be the church, not just come to church. So that'll help you a lot. And that ministry guy in the back of your chair is a great way to find out some things. But again, this Wednesday night, the Connect class, just four weeks long. You're a pastor's heart. You'll learn about your spiritual gifts, a great way to kind of meet some people. But if you still need help, there's a little flyer in the insert in your bulletin. And if you'll fill that out and somebody will help you find a group, a small group or a Bible study to be a part of in that ministry guide. If you can't kind of, you know, figure it out, somebody will help you do that. Just fill it out, drop any offering or go to the Connect room and drop it off. And if you're fairly new to the church, stop by the Connect room anyhow and they'll just uh, give you a little gift bag and, and answer any questions you might have. Good to be in church on this Labor Day weekend. Hopefully you get a little rest this weekend. Uh, let's hear a little word from Pastor. He's out of town this weekend. But uh, hear what he has to say, a little update about Imagine More and kind of a praise report. 
to give you an update on our Imagine More building expansion plans. This spring we enlisted an architect to begin plans and we had an aggressive timetable. We hoped we could get the plans in 15 weeks so we could actually start this fall, but it's taking longer to get the building engineered. But they did some more soil samples the other day. Uh, our architect met with our kids zone director recently, making sure we got details for the kids area. So anyway, we're moving along, but I've got some great news. You know, we had a goal to raise a million dollars, and we've had a great uh, uh, first part of the year just here in our church and our regular giving. So our board agreed recently to increase from our general fund, take money, and actually put it in the Imagine More. So we're over $700,000 now. So I'm really excited about that. Our goal is to break ground with a million. So thanks for being a part of what God's doing here at Church on the Rock through Imagine More. Well, amen. That's exciting. You know, it's kind of like uh, running the mile relay and you're on the last lap. We're kind of on our last lap to try to get to that million to kick it off. And the way it's working out with the plans, it looks like the, you know, God has the timing down, right? So let's pray harder this last lap and just ask God to bless you more so you can be more of a blessing because we got to get this place built up so we can reach the harvest. How many agree with that? Amen. God bless you as you give today. you are a good, good God. We bless you today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, 
Amen. Look at your neighbor. Give them a high five. Tell them you are glad that they are here on this Labor Day weekend. Hey, one time, can we give it up for our band today, our worship team? Every weekend they get here before 7.30 just to prepare and get ready for us. So we're just blessed to have them. My name is Travis. I'm the next generation pastor here at Church on the Rock. And I'm just so excited and glad to be sharing with you this weekend, this Labor Day weekend. How many people got off tomorrow? Awesome. If you didn't, sorry. You'll be making money anyway, so it's all good. Anyway, we are glad you're here. Like Pastor Mike said, we want to keep Pastor John in our prayers. He's in Rogers, Arkansas right now, spending some time, him and his wife, with their son, John Henry, who lives there. And actually, right now, he's preaching at our friend Steve Sexton's church there in, in Rogers, Arkansas. So we'll remember to keep him in our prayers. But hey, next weekend, he's starting a new series called Not Your Average Joe. It's all about the life of Joseph. So you want to be here and check it out. I know it's going to be amazing. So, hey, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Ruth, Ruth chapter number one. And this morning, we're basically going to look at several parts of the book of Ruth. And I believe God has something special for us today. How many people know God loves us? He really does. If you don't know that, he does. He cares for you. And I believe every time we open the word of God, he has something new, something fresh, something to show us in that very moment. So we're believing today that we're going to be encouraged, that God's going to challenge us, and he's going to take us uh, just to the next glory that he has for us. Can we believe that today? Amen. Well, as you know, here we are. It's Labor Day weekend, and everybody in here is probably getting back into the swing of fall. Any students in here, you went back to school the last few weeks? Sorry. Yeah. Any parents glad your kids have a routine? Finally, they're on a routine. They're not waking up at 2 p.m. and eating cereal late in the afternoon. There's a routine. Well, you can pray for my wife and I. Uh, Whitney, our son, Gabriel, is three years old. He just started pre-K three two weeks ago, and so pray for us that he doesn't uh, bite anybody or kick anybody or whatever, so we're, we're adjusting, but anyway, we really believe that this fall is going to be our best fall ever. We believe that this fall is going to be amazing, and uh, God has something special for every single person that's in this place, and uh, we believe that it's going to be our best year yet. God has something in store for us. If we'll just seek him and listen to him, he'll show us something. But the story we're going to read in the book of Ruth, I believe, is going to help us go to the next level in our walk with God. How many people want to go to the next level? I want to go to the next level, and I know you do. So let's jump in. Ruth chapter 1, this is going to be our launching pad today. And here's what the word of the Lord declares. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Amalek, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the name of his two sons were Melion and Shilion. They were Ephratites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab, and they remained there. Verse 3, but Amalek, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left there with her two sons. These two Moabite wives, these took Moabite wives. The name of one was Orpah, the name of the other was Ruth. They lived there about ten years. And both Melion and Shelion died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you today. Lord, we thank you that you're faithful. God, we thank you that you see us today. Every single one of us were uh, at different places in our life, God, but uh, you're, you know us and you care about us. 
God, I pray today that we would get what you have for us, that we would be encouraged, God, that we would go to the next level, God, that we would draw near to you. God, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, for he's the only way to heaven. Lord, we love you today. I pray that we would leave this building in a few minutes changed because you spoke to us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. And the church said one more time. Amen. So because the school year just began, it's got me thinking about school, and it's got me thinking about, number one, how glad I am not to be in school. Amen. Any parents say, I'm glad that's over. I'm telling you, I still will have a nightmare every once in a while about forgetting about a homework assignment or a test or whatever it is. Anybody in here? You know, showing up to class and forgetting something. But as I was thinking about just this uh, message in this school year, I was reminded of a really cool story that happened to me when I was in high school. Do you want to hear a story? Hopefully. I'm going to tell it. Anyways. So uh, I can remember being in 11th grade, and I had this particular math class. And it was the end of the year. And this particular math class, at the end of the year, we had to take an end-of-the-year test. And what that means is uh, this test was uh, very comprehensive of everything we learned the first day of school all the way to the very end. I hate those tests. Um, as I kind of found out as I was studying for this particular test, I was really good at cramming for tests. And maybe I didn't learn as much information as I should have. So we were all, everyone in this class, we were kind of nervous about the test. We were nervous, you know, that we were, you know, going to make a good grade. It was like 25% of our final grade. So this was an important test. I can remember studying for it. I can remember just trying to learn the information and cram and do all these things. And I can remember the day of the test going into uh, the teacher's room and sitting down at my desk and the teacher telling us to clear our desk, take out a, a pencil and take out a sheet of paper. And then she did the, the weirdest thing, and, and, and I remember it to this day like it was yesterday. She told us to write on this blank sheet of paper what grade that we wanted for this final test. And I thought, what is this girl thinking, okay? Like, is this real? What is she doing? So I wrote down the number that I wanted, and she told us to pass it to the front. She collected these pieces of paper, and she informed us that just recently, a few days before, that the district, the school district, did not renew her contract. And so whatever grade we wrote on that piece of paper, she didn't want to grade grades, so that was our grade. <laughs> How many people know that's amazing? So y'all want to know what I wrote down? 100, Okay. What do I want? I want 100. Of course I want 100. So everyone in the room, we're just kind of like, is this real? Is this for real? Does this really happen? And we were super excited about this, super grateful for this teacher. I can understand why they let her go because she did this uh, and, and, and stuff like this. But I can remember a classmate just a few rows over, one of my friends, he just looked disgusted while everybody else was just excited. And we kind of asked him, what's wrong? What did you write on this sheet of paper? And he said, I wrote 70. He had no idea of knowing. You know, he settled for so little when he could have had so much, right? And that's kind of what I want to talk about for the next few minutes as we're in here today. I want to talk about with our walk with God, do we settle for little when God has called us to so much more? When God has called us to have this great, vibrant, passionate relationship with him, do we just settle for mediocrity when we could have something great? Today we're going to have three points, and they're centered around how this year can be the year that my relationship with God goes to the next level. Listen, every single person in this room, I know you love God, I know you care about God, but how many people know it's easy to get sidetracked? 
It's easy for my focus, for my priorities to get out of whack with family, with work, with kids, with hobbies. And sometimes we can look at our life and this God that we love, that we care about, is number four, five, number ten, whatever, on the list. And I believe that today as we open God's word and we continue to look at this story of Ruth, that God is going to show us how this year, this fall, we can deliberately do some things that our relationship with God goes to the next level. Tell your neighbor, I'm going to the next level. Okay, so three ways to help our relationship with God go to the next level as we look at the book of Ruth. So let's jump in. There's a few interesting things that I want us to look at from that first passage that we just read. So this guy named Amalek, he has a wife, and they're from Bethlehem. Bethlehem is a place in Israel, and they moved to this place called Moab. The Moabites, if you've read your Old Testament, they were pagan people. They were people that worshipped multiple gods. So the son of Naomi, the sons of Naomi, they actually married Moabite women. They married women that probably worshipped many different gods. So here they are, they're in this foreign land. The sons marry uh, foreign girls that aren't from Israel. They're not from the covenant of Israel. And what happens? The dad dies and the two sons die. Here's our first point today if you are taking notes. If we want our relationship with God to go to the next level this fall, we must stay in covenant with God. If you want your walk with God to go to the next level, you must stay in covenant with God. Check it out because when we are outside of covenant with God, bad things happen. When we're outside of covenant with him, bad things always happen. I find it very interesting as we kind of read uh, about the book of Ruth that these three men died. The Bible doesn't say anything about the women dying. The women are alive, but for some reason, these guys, they died. And as I was reading some commentary about this the other day, some theologians think that maybe there was a, a disease that was killing men or maybe it was a battle. Either way, these guys died. And here's the point. The men of Israel, God's chosen people, they should have never went to settle and live a life and live a lifestyle outside of Israel and outside of the covenant of God. This father brought his family to Moab because there was a famine. And I understand, you know, there's a famine. you got to go somewhere where there's some food. But it clearly said that they stayed over 10 years. And while they're there, it's easy to see that at least the sons became intertwined into this culture. They married pagan women. In the Old Testament, a few times it tells them, do not intermarry with these pagan women, these Moabites. What did these two Israelite men do? They married foreign women. I believe at least to a degree, they lost sight of who they really were. They were Israelites, but now they are intermarrying with people outside of that covenant. And listen to me today, it's easy for us to put ourselves in the same situation. Look, when we live a life for Christ, when we put him first, when we choose relationship with God, we're going to be blessed. How many people know? When we choose him, when we follow him, when we make Jesus the Lord of our life, we are going to live a blessed life. But the same is true in the opposite. If we choose a life and a lifestyle outside of the covenant of God, we will not be blessed. There's so many people that are wondering, Christians and non-Christians, why am I not being blessed? Well, the reason is probably we're outside of covenant with God. I think some of us can testify in here that some of the most miserable times in our life when we, when we were outside of God's covenant. Number one, when we weren't saved, when we were just kind of doing our own thing, I can look back at my life and I was miserable because I was missing something. And then I can look at my life after I received Christ and times that I just kind of just walked away from God and I, I just was miserable 
then as well. Have you been there? Listen, God wants to bless us, but the secret of God blessing us is being in his covenant. If you look throughout the Bible, God is looking for one thing. You know what that one thing is? It's not perfection. It's not us coming from a certain family name. God is looking for himself. God is looking for people that will enter into covenant with him. You know, uh, I talked about my kid earlier. I have two uh, children. I have a three-year-old son, Gabriel. I have a one-year-old daughter, Aslan. And my son, Gabriel, like we said a few weeks ago, we just started school. And the first day of school, he did pretty good. But there was a few things his teacher wanted him to work on. So mommy and daddy, we talked to him. We gave him a pep talk. You know, we got to do this right and do this. And if you do these things after school, I'm going to give you a treat. Parents, you ever do that? It's like called bribery, right, or whatever. If you do this good, we're going to get this treat. So I can remember buying this little toy. My kid's into Ninja Turtles. I bought him a little action figure. And he, he gets back from school, and I'm reading the note. And he was good, except he messed up on this one thing. See, I had something great in store for my child, but because he didn't fulfill his end, I withheld that. Does that make sense? I love my child. I care for him, but I want him to understand for him to be the man of God, ultimately, that he's called to be. There's some things that he has to do. Some of us in here, we get mad at God because God doesn't come through for us maybe like we should. Listen, God, he's a thousand times better father than me. And if I understand, if I want my son to succeed, sometimes I have to withhold things from him so he'll understand, right? God does the same thing for us. God wants you in covenant. God wants you to understand covenant. Remember the guy in the Old Testament, Samson. He was a judge. That means that God would speak to him, and he was supposed to speak to the people. God called him to be a Nazarite. He was supposed to set himself apart. God used him as a mighty vessel to defeat a lot of Philistines to give glory to God. He won all of these battles and did great things, but Samson, as we know today, is remembered as the guy who broke covenant with God and ended up losing his life. Remember, God told him, you're to be a Nazarite. Don't drink. Don't hook up with foreign women. Right? Don't cut your hair. What does Samson do? He goes to a vineyard. He hooks up with prostitutes, Delilah. He ends up getting his hair cut. I think Samson got sidetracked from his true calling. He got away from God, and there was a consequence for that. Friends, today, I don't want any of us in this place to get sidetracked from who we are and the mission that's on our life. If you want to know what your purpose in this earth is, it's to do two things. Number one, connect with the real God, receive Jesus, have a relationship with Jesus, and number two, tell everybody else about him. That's your mission. It's not to make a million dollars. It's not to find the perfect person. It's not to even have two kids and a, a white picket fence in front of your house. It's to be close to God and get other people close to God. And God will use those other things to help us. But I want to encourage some people today that maybe if you're living in Moab, if you're living outside of the covenant of God and you would know, it's time to come back. It's a new day. It's a new season. If you've been doing your own thing, you can come back. Listen, how many people know you can be in the church house on Sunday, but your heart be away from God? You can come back to God today. Maybe you're in this place and you're not living in Moab. You're a good person. You love God. You're not caught up in sin, but you've allowed distractions or hobbies or whatever to take the place of God. This is the season to reprioritize our life. This is the season to be deliberate. This is the season to choose him. This is the season to say, you know, I may be out of whack in this or this area, but this is the year I'm going to put God first. This is the year I'm going to pray. This is the year I'm going to worship God. This is the year I'm going to get involved. This is the year I'm going to make a difference at my work or at my school. Amen? So let's move along. 
So Naomi has a husband. He's dead. She has two sons. They're both dead. Let's look what happens. Ruth chapter 1, verse 6. It says, Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So check this out. After her sons died, Naomi said, You know what? i got to go back to Israel. i got to go back. Israel is always the picture of the promise. When I come back to God, good things happen. But before she goes back to Israel, she has a talk with her two daughter-in-laws. She goes to them and she says, hey, I'm going back to Israel. I'm an Israelite. I've been living in Moab. I'm going back. And I want you to go back to your mother's house. I don't have any more sons for you. I want you to go back down the street to Moab. Well, if you remember, one of the daughter-in-laws says, okay, we'll see you later. Love you. I'm leaving. But one, Ruth, said, no, I'm going with you. And then if you look at Ruth chapter 1, verse 16, it's a famous scripture that we all the time hear at weddings. And I love it. Look what Ruth says to her mother-in-law. Do not urge me to leave you or return from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I die. And then I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me and make more also if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. Stop there. So that's what happens. This is kind of cool, I think. This Moabite woman who grew up as a pagan is following her mother-in-law back to a nation that she has never been to. She is a Moabite. She's not an Israelite. She is following mother-in-law to a place that she's never been. Friend, today, this is a picture of us following Jesus. That's a picture. You know, all of us in here, uh, I don't care what you were born into or whatever, God had to show himself to us. Every person in here was born a sinner. Every single one of us in here, we've had to respond to Christ to come into our heart. It's not something that you just inherit. It's something that you have to do yourself. And maybe you've never done that before. Today you can do that. Listen, you don't have to be saved to come to this church, but we're going to talk about Jesus. Amen? We're going to talk about him. And so this is a picture of Naomi not knowing which, what's really going to happen, but she trusts the person that's leading her. Listen, we can trust God. We can trust Jesus. He is trustworthy. He cares for us. So let's fast forward a little bit. Ruth and Naomi, they get back to Bethlehem. They get back to this place that Naomi grew up. We get back to this place that Ruth has never been. And as you think about it, you think that as they get back to Israel, everything would just be perfect. But as we read through the book of Ruth, we realize that things aren't perfect. You have two widow women that are coming to a nation. Ruth has never been there. Naomi hasn't been there in 10 years. There is no welfare system. There is no system to help these people. So what do they do? Look what happens. Ruth chapter 2 verse 1. It says, Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Emelech, whose name was Boaz. Say Boaz. Say Boaz. I just like that word. And Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter. So she set out and she went and she gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Amalek. Let's stop here. So this is how she has to provide for herself. This doesn't sound very exciting. This doesn't sound like a life of luxury. You know, I bet she had heard stories about how great Israel is, but when she gets to Israel, at first, 
this doesn't sound good. She has to glean to survive. Look at this process of gleaning. The people that worked the field, they would break the heads of the wheat. They would throw the stalk of wheat over their shoulders. And what would happen is some of this wheat would fall to the ground. And what would happen then is these people, normally poor people, would come. They would pick up the leftovers. The reapers did this on purpose, basically as a system to help some of the poorer people. They could have collected it all, but they said, you know, we're going to leave some so poor people will have something to eat. This is what Ruth and Naomi are having to do. Ruth is having to go after the reapers go. She's having to wait outside of this field and then go pick up leftovers so her and her mother can eat. That's not a very good picture right there. Here's my second point this morning. If we want our relationship with God to go to the next level this fall, don't settle for leftovers. And let me ask you a question. How many people in here, you like leftovers? I like leftovers. Whitney, she cooks and it's good. And the next day it's good. And the next day it's pretty good. And the next day it's okay. But after that, I'm done. You know what I mean? Give that to the dog. I'm done. Four days. Leftovers are good, but not every single day. Listen to me. I feel like so many times in our walk with God, we can settle for so little when we are called to so much. Just like that, the boy in my story when I was in high school, he settled for so little when he could have so much. And I wonder if when it comes to our relationship with God, do we just settle for crumbs when God could give us so much more? Do we barely pray? Do we barely read? Do we barely uh, obey God? And sometimes we obey God, sometimes we don't. We just kind of do whatever we feel like. Listen, that's a picture of what Ruth is doing, barely surviving, barely getting by. And there's some people in this room, you love God, but your relationship with God right now is as a, a one of, that's like a gleaner who's barely getting by on scraps and barely getting by on leftovers. Ruth is walking the outskirts of a field, picking up leftovers. Are we doing that in our walk with God? Listen to me. The problem that I see in my life, and I've seen in my life, and I've seen in the lives of other believers, is that sometimes we try to do as little as we can when it comes to God. What's the minimum requirement that I have to do to be okay? Right? You know, I can remember being in college, and, and the college professors, they would assign research papers or essays. You know what the first thing that I had to find out was? How long does this research paper have to be? Is this five pages or ten pages? Is this like one night? Is this like a couple nights? Do I need to get my wife to help me write this? What's going on, you know? What's the minimum requirement? I feel like a lot of times in our walk with God, what's the minimum? Do I just have to say the prayer? Is that it? Do I just say the prayer? I mean, I can, I can go to church, I can, I can read some, I can pray some, you know, reaching out to people, I don't know about that, you know, and having a daily time reading my word. I mean, I've been reading Facebook all day and, and uh, you know, Yahoo News that I just don't want to read, you know, and, 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 you know, can I still watch the movies that I want to watch and how far can I go in my relationship with this person? And, and it's like we try to barely get by. Friend, listen, we weren't called to barely get by. We were called to have a vibrant, passionate, strong relationship with God. And instead of asking the question, how close can I get to God, we've asked the question, what is the minimum requirement? How many people know if you want to be successful in any part of your life, if you want to be successful at work, you don't just do the minimum? What I just have to do, just this to get by? You're not going to get promoted. 
a lot of us wonder why we keep going over the same humps over and over and over again. Maybe because we're not fully being obedient to what God wants us to do. Maybe we're just settling for crumbs when God's got something new and something fresh for us. Look at your neighbor and say, that's good. Look, God never intended for us to live on scraps. He wanted us to really love him, to really care for him, to really worship him, to really be passionate about him, not to treat our relationship with him like an obligation or just, you know, give me my golden star because I read the Bible today. He wanted us to pursue him. He wanted us to go after him. And I'm not talking about a fanatical thing, but a genuine pursuit. I want to go after God. I love God. The Bible talks about going from glory to glory. You know, I'm reminded of the Israelites in the Old Testament when they were freed from Egypt. Do you know how God fed them for 40 years? He didn't feed on cheeseburgers. I guess he could have. He fed them manna from heaven. It would rain down manna every single day. That's what they ate. And after a few days, you know what they said? We're tired of it. We don't want it. It's done. Give us something else. Think about it. That's what God gave them. And, um, you know, I really think that God did this for two reasons. I think for 40 years he rained down manna. The first reason is because he wanted to, to give them something to eat. He wanted to provide for them. Listen, God's our provider. But here's the second reason. I think God gave them the same food every single day so they would get tired of it. Why? So it would motivate them to get out of the wilderness and get to a promised land. Because in the promised land there's milk and honey. You don't have to eat manna. Follow me, obey me, and we'll get you something else. Listen, maybe that's you today. Maybe you've been bored with your Christian walk. Listen, I want to tell you, if you're bored with your Christian walk, you're doing it wrong. God is not boring. Maybe if we're just trying to do the minimum, it's just boring to us. But listen, when we're part of the story, it's exciting. It's exciting. I want to encourage some people to quit eating manna, pursue him, not just church, not just gleaning off Pastor John, but let's pursue him. Let's read our word. Let's pray. Let's talk to people about God. Amen? There's people in this city that need Jesus. There's people in this city that need to know what love looks like. They'll know us because of our love. They'll know him because of the love we show to them. Let's be people that don't just glean, okay? So what's the solution to gleaning? Maybe you're in here and you've just been gleaning, just been getting by. I just want to, you've just been doing the minimum. Listen, we're glad you're here. We're all, we've all at different levels of our walk, but I can guarantee you one thing. Sometimes we have ups and we have downs. And sometimes we need a little motivational message that says, you know what? I need to get out of my rut and I need to get back in gear. I need to do what God's called me to do. So what's the solution to not be a gleaner? Look at Ruth chapter 2 verse 4. It says, and behold... Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, Catch this. Whose young woman is this? He said it just like that. Who is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she has has continued from early morning until now except for a short rest. Verse 8, then Boaz said to Ruth, now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in any other field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Check this out. It's my favorite part of the story. Ruth, for months, for years, she's been gleaning, barely getting by. She's in the nation she didn't grow up in. She's having to provide for her and for her mother-in-law. She's out there one day working, and guess whose eye she catches? 
Boaz, the owner of the field, I can imagine him going out there and he's looking at his vast property and he's looking at his reapers and he's looking at the peasants afterwards. And then all of a sudden there's a new girl there and he's like, hello, who is that? You know, think about it. He notices her. I can remember years ago I noticed my wife and everybody faded away and I was focused on her, you know. She didn't like me at the beginning, but it's okay. I had to work on it. But I noticed her. You know, in the same way, times a million, God notices us. I want every person in here to know God notices you. If you think that you're unnoticed, you're wrong. That's a lie. God notices you. He cares for you. He loves you. He sees you when you're doing good. He sees you when you're doing bad. He cares for you. There's people in this room today that you've been hurt. You have sorrow in your heart, and the Lord cares. And some of you today may be even asking the question, God, why do you let bad things happen? And listen, God never said there wouldn't be storms. He said he would walk with us through the storms. And a lot of us in here, maybe there's some people that you're really wondering why God lets this stuff happen. Listen, in the beginning, everything was good. Sin came in and it messed that stuff up. And as a result of that, there's death and there's murder. There's all this bad stuff that happens. But the promise is God will be with us right now. And in eternity, everything will be perfect. Listen, God loves you. He cares about you. He notices you. So look what happens. So Boaz notices Ruth. A little time goes by. He realizes that this is Naomi's kinfolk. He realizes that, you know what, this family needs some help. And, oh, yeah, Ruth looks good. So let's look what happens. Ruth chapter 4, verse 9. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Amalek and all that belonged to Chilion and to Malon. Also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife to perpetrate the name of the dead in his inheritance that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. Look at the last verse, verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. So Ruth marries Boaz. He, she marries the guy who owns this field. Here's our third and our final point this morning. If we want our relationship with God to go to the next level this fall, marry the man that owns the field. That's it. She's not a gold digger, okay? Some of you are going there. Look at this. For months, this girl has been barely getting by, barely making it. She's, she's living on scrap. She's living on weak old food. She's barely making it. Listen, but she marries Boaz. Do you think she has to glean? No, she owns the field. She don't have to go glean. She tells other people to go get the food for her, right? Here's the point. Some of us in here, our walk with God, again, has been like that of a gleaner. We know we need God. We know we need to pursue a deeper relationship with him, but we've been satisfied with just barely getting by, just the minimum requirements, just maybe a sermon here or there, just barely praying. Listen, there is more. Here's the point. You don't have to just get by. You can own the field. You can own your Christianity. You can own your faith. You can own your relationship with Jesus. Did you know that the picture that uh, God wants or the picture of the relationship that God wants with us in the Bible, it's always seen as marriage. Jesus is the bridegroom, the church is the bride. Man and woman, the church is the bride. God wants us to marry him. He wants relationship with us. He doesn't just want our leftovers, hello. He wants all of us. 
Not just 30 seconds before we fall asleep at night. He wants us to pursue him, to go after him, to love him. He wants us to own the field, not to glean from the field. He wants us to go all in. And listen, I'm not talking about a little fling. He wants marriage with us. When Whitney, you know, back in the day when we were dating, she was wanting like my money. I didn't have any. I didn't have any. We got, I still don't. But listen, because of marriage, dating phase, you know, she doesn't get my last name. She doesn't get the benefits of that. But when we're married, there are benefits. Listen, some of us in here, our relationship with God has been like a dating phase. He wants us to own it. He wants us to marry him. He wants us to commit to him. You know, a few weeks ago I did a, a wedding and it was amazing to see the commitment. One man and one woman committed to each other exclusively. That's what God wants. He wants, ex- he wants inclusion, just us and just him. Today I want us to think about our life. Have we been gleaning in our relationship with God? If so, listen, it's okay. But I want you to leave this place knowing you can own it. You can own your relationship with God. You don't just have to draw near to God in tragedy. You can draw near to God every single day. You can go from glory to glory. You can have a passionate relationship with God. You can go all in with Him and be fulfilled and have joy and have peace and make a difference and reach out and be the head and not the tail and be the lender and not the borrower. Listen, God wants that for us. He wants it for us. And I'm not saying your life is going to be perfect, but through the storms you know that there's someone there that's not going to waver. You have that close person that you know you can hold on to. Listen, he cares for you. You don't have to be a gleaner. You can be an owner. As Zach and the banner coming up as I close, what's interesting about this story is that here you have Ruth and you have Boaz. They get married, but you know what? They have a son. You know what their son's name is? Obed. Obed has a son. You know what his name is? Jesse. Jesse has a few sons, but you know what one of their names is? David. Did you know that David, a lot of theologians think when he is anointed to be the king of Israel, he's in the same field that Ruth gleaned from, that Boaz owned, that Ruth and Boaz later owned, and go on down the lineage, and David is born. Is that not cool? That's really cool. Did you know that Ruth was Jesus' 34th grandmother? It's pretty cool, right? This Moabite woman who followed Naomi, who was a gleaner but then came an owner, all the way down the lineage, she's Jesus Christ's grandmother. Listen, I think it was a good gamble for her to follow Naomi. And listen, friend, it's a good gamble for us to follow Christ. Did you know that Jesus, when he was about to be born, the Bible says that an angel of the Lord came to some shepherds. Where were they? In a field. And one of my favorite preachers, his name is Damon Thompson. He says this, could it be the same field that Ruth gleaned from, that Boaz owned, that Ruth and Boaz later owned, that David came through, that later Jesus came through, when God was about to make an announcement that the Savior of the world was coming, he knew where to go. Isn't that amazing? The Bible ties together. Look, God has a plan for every single person in here. And I want you to think about this. How important was it that Ruth became an owner rather than a gleaner? It changed generations. It changed everything. How important is it for us to become an owner and not a gleaner? How important is it for us to be a follower of Christ and not just a fan of what he's done?
listen, there's some parents in here today that the fight that you have right now with consistency and the fight that you have with faith and the fight that you have with your relationship with God, I'm telling you, is, is definitely going to affect your kids. How important is it that you serve God? How important is it that you get over that sin? How important is it that we go after Him with our whole heart? Amen? There's some students in here. How important is it that you follow Him? Your school could change. Your family could change. Your life could change. Look, God has a plan for all of us today. If you've been gleaning, today is the day that you can be an owner. Today is the day that you can draw near to God. This can be the best year of your life. This can be the year that you're an overcomer. This can be the year that you draw near to Him. I don't care what your scorecard looks like up until this point. Going forward, you can serve God. Going forward, you can be a force in the earth to help people be reconciled to God. God loves you in here. And you know, as I was just praying about this message this weekend, I want us to commit to do three things this fall. Can we do that? Number one, can we commit to pray? We're going to pray this year. And I'm not talking about just a, you know, a little prayer right before I fall asleep, but I'm going to walk in prayer. I'm going to walk in communication with God. I'm deliberately going to do it. Number two, can I commit that I'm going to read God's Word? Listen, it's a story for us. It's not just a rule book. It's not just an ancient history book. It's a story of God reconciling us. It shows us how to live. It shows us His character. Number three, can we commit to praise Him? Can we praise God this year? Every day, can we praise Him through the good things? Can we praise Him through the bad things? Can we know that He's there and He loves us? If we can do these things, I'm telling you, we're going to have a great year. I want you to stay on your feet this morning. And I want my prayer team to go ahead and come to the front. Look at me. Maybe you're in this place today and you're away from God. Maybe you're living in the land of Moab. Listen, you know that you're away from Him. Listen, today is the day that you can come back to Him. Today is the day that you can say, you know what, I'm tired of running. I'm tired of being away. I can come back to Him. Maybe you're in this place today and and you love God, you care about God, but you've just got your priorities just out of alignment. And you say, this is going to be a year I want to go to the next level. And this is going to be a year I'm going to pursue God. If that's you, you say, this is a year I want to go to the next level. I'm going to pursue Him. Just raise your hands. I want to pray for you. Amen. A lot of you. Just throw both hands up. Lord, today I, I just pray for my friends that this would be a year we go to the next level. This would be a year we seek you. This would be a year, God, that we just run after you, that we would own our faith this year. We would choose you this year. We would choose to love you this year. We would choose to fight temptation this year. We would choose to read our word this year. We would choose to pray this year. Bless my friends. In Jesus' name. And the last question, if you're in this place today and you know you're away, You're not bad, that's not what I'm saying, but you know that you're away. Every person here that's ever received Christ has been away. It's not bad to be away, I just didn't know I was away. But maybe you're in here today and you know that you're away. Listen, Jesus made a way so you can be restored. Jesus wants to give you eternal life. He wants to give you fulfillment and peace on this earth. Jesus died a brutal death so that one day, thousands of years later, we could say yes to him and he could receive us and restore us. Look, if you're in this place today and you say, I've never, you know, invited Christ into my heart or I've gotten away and I know I need to recommit. 
I've walked away, but I need to get my life right with God today on this Labor Day weekend. Real quick, I want you to raise your hand. Lord, today I see you. I see you there. I see you there in the back. Amen. Amen. Here's what I want to do. We're going to go back into a time of worship. Prayer team, come up. I want Pastor Mike to go over there to the cross. And those five or six of you, go meet him. He's going to pray a prayer of salvation. But if you need prayer for anything, we want to agree with you today. Maybe you want your walk to get closer to God. Maybe you just got a family issue. We want to pray with you. But right now, before we check out, the next two minutes, come up for prayer. And if not, let's worship God. Can we do that? Amen. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. And I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm This morning we sing, cause Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my soul, and I live for you alone, every breath that I take. Our prayer team is going to stay down front, and we want to encourage you. If you need prayer for anything, we'd love to uh, just have the opportunity to pray with you. But if you want some more information about our church, uh, I want to ask you to go across the hall to the Connect room. And uh, also, I just wanted to remind you that we have a brand-new Connect class this Wednesday night. Um, but anyway, you can be dismissed at this time. We pray that you have a blessed week.